I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. My name is Elon Jacobson, and deal-making is in my DNA. I'll be here each week talking with entrepreneurs and deal-makers about the crazy obstacles they've faced along their paths, and whether it's nature or nurture driving their success. Expect the unexpected on a deal-maker's DNA. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Dealmaker's DNA. Um, very excited to have Daniel Lewis on the, the podcast with me. Daniel is a, an entrepreneur and a public speaker uh, and, and, and owner of Tea by Daniel. He has a very uh, interesting story. And you know, we were just speaking right before we went live about really looking forward to this because Daniel and I met today and we don't know each other's <laughs> stories as well as, uh, you know, some, some of the other guests that I have on. So I'm very much looking forward to, uh, uh, to hearing about your story. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm always intrigued when, you know, one of the starting points of me doing some research on you was, uh, you know, you serving tea to the Prince of Wales. So that's that's going to be a fun yeah. thing to touch on. <laughs> <laughs> sure. but, but Daniel, for, for, for those that, uh, that don't know you, you know, maybe just give a, a Coles notes of, of what you do currently, and then we're going to take, take a step way back, and I want to kind of get a sense of how you got to this point. Absolutely, absolutely. First off, thank you so much, Elon, for having me on the show. And I love sharing my story. I love meeting new people, so this is a great opportunity. Me, in a nutshell, um, I am, well, I, I, they call the term entrepreneur, but really, I like to see myself as a storyteller. That's what I, I always love that. self-proclaim myself to be. Um, it just so happens that as I've gone through my life, I've taken different tools and used them to tell stories. And the tool that I'm using right now is T by Daniel, or for the last 10 years, I should say. So co-founder, I founded with my wife, um, a specialty tea company called T by Daniel uh, that we started over 10 years ago. And then, you know, building T by Daniel led uh, into public speaking, where I would share my story, my personal story, my insights things, um, perspectives on life, business, and things like that. And then I also got into marketing, started my own marketing agency, uh, helping small businesses kind of, you know, build from the ground up like we did. So tea guy, public speaker, marketer, I guess. So, so, so you're ADD like me. This is going to be yeah. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you exactly. use storytelling and I, and I wrote myself a note. I want to come back to that storytelling point because I love that terminology. I use the term professional opportunist. Nice. <laughs> um, I, do, I, I do think that entrepreneurs played out and it's somehow become sexy and rock starish. And quite frankly, real entrepreneurs know how unsexy <laughs> yeah. there is. So I, I just I feel like that that term is being corrupted in a way that doesn't translate well with me. Right. Um, right. I love the idea of, uh, of storyteller. So speaking of storytelling uh, and we're going to come back to speaking about the tea and, and, and public speaking, but. I want to know about your background. Like, you know, how, how did you land up in this spot? You, you've alluded to your story numerous times. So take me back, you know, you know, where were you born? You know, what did your childhood look like? You know, what led you to this point? Absolutely. So I think uh, where, where my story begins, you know, so I was born in Toronto, you know, born to my um, two parents still with me, still love my parents. And uh, I am the middle child. So older brother, two years older than me younger sister, 14 years younger than me. So quite the gap. Born in Toronto, very early age, I think two, moved to Brampton, you know, went through the school system. And I think where the story really begins is around the age of 12, 13, where 
I randomly, I found that in school, I was really good. I wasn't good with many things, you know, math, all that stuff. But when it came to words, I found just this natural click. I was able to understand words, spell words, use words, write. And once I found that I was able to kind of navigate with words, even when it comes to speaking, things like that, it just so happened around that time that I fell in love with uh, music particularly speaking, rapping. I was, I was the freestyler. I, I, I found this, this kind of good way with words. I, was I won't put you on the spot, spot Daniel. <laughs> I, I always get put on the spot. It's so, it's so weird. Sometimes I suck, so I won't do it today. But I loved Eminem. I loved rappers that I felt. Your favorite good. rapper of all time. Don't, don't even get me started. Me too. Like, See, I'm, to a, I'm a Dre, Eminem, <laughs> yeah, Jay-Z exactly, era. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and even I heard, um, just to inter- um interject something I heard something of Eminem last week like I didn't even know he was still doing it and the first line showed me he's still the greatest like it's just he said yes. like my bars yeah. my bars are like COVID you get it straight off the bat and I was like oh my god yeah the, the, the video has a whole bunch of UFC uh fighters oh and um, that okay so I didn't yeah. even know he was doing anything but anyways so loved Eminem loved people who had good wordplay because I loved words so I was the guy after school at lunchtime or someone would drop a beat and they're like, okay, Dan, 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 come. And I would just freestyle. And I was, I was really good at it. Again, don't put me on the spot, but I was really good at it. And eventually that led into freestyle battling where, you know, I'm going to be battling someone from Mississauga and we'd meet up at the movie theater. And it just became exactly like the eight mile, just the Brampton version. And it was really, really cool. So it kind of began my musical journey. I actually decided, you know what, maybe there's a future for me in music because I mean, yeah, I probably had some yes men around me, but there was hype around me. So I'm like, Let, let's, let's ride it out. Um, as time went on, uh, I started to take music a lot more serious. Had like a manager I was working with, started to build a press kit, started um, performing in, in the US, opening for some at the time, like B-list artists and Atlanta, Florida, New York, until eventually I got my music played in uh, the clubs in Toronto. So I was actually an artist on the scene and I was same shows as Drake. He just made it a lot further than I did in music, but uh, I was doing my music thing. After a while, in, 20, in 2009, I'll fast forward in 2009. Um, so I kind of you know threw my school education away to chase the rap dream. And uh, it came with its own stories. I won't get into a, a bunch of them. Uh, we could wrap back, back to that. But in 2009, on account of one of the songs that I made, which was uh, a diss track, actually, I, was, uh, the, I went through a, a nearly tragic situation where I was the victim of a nearly fatal stabbing, where, you know, as, as you know, in the, in the hip hop industry, uh, you get checked for your words. So some of the things you say just for art's sake comes back around and that's what happened with me in 2009. So I was stabbed four or five times um, and there was a wound on my neck that was literally one inch away from, from a, a, a very bad ending to that story. But that became, that incident in 2009 was the catalyst for the rest of my life and the change that would come because it was, it was, it was through that incident when I saw how all these people that were strangers to me a week prior to the incident. So I'm talking about the nurse, I'm talking about the helicopter pilot, the ambulance doctors, every single person that was around me during that time, these were strangers to me, how they all jumped in to help save my life. 
and it made me question um, when I was in the hospital on the on the hospital bed. I asked myself the question. I'm at, I was 21 years old. I was like, what impact do I have in this world? If this was to be fatal, if this incident was to, to end badly, what did I leave behind? The way because I looked at the way they impacted me, and I asked myself the same thing, and I was really disappointed with that answer. I didn't feel like I had much impact or positive impact at least. And I just decided that when I get out of this hospital, I did, I want to change that narrative. I want, I want there to be something better said about me when it comes to that word impact. So when I came out of the hospital, I dedicated my whole life to finding out what that was going to be. And I know we'll get into it through conversation. So a year, um, a year and a half out of the hospital, that tool um, to start this impact uh, became T and we could, uh, so I, I want to ask you about, you know, why T, but I want to take a step back. You know, you, 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 you started the story and said that your parents still around great relationship. What did your parents think of, of that journey for you? You know, that's a massive risk going to the music industry. You know, what were their backgrounds? How much did it have an impact did that play? Um, you know, in, in that first part of your, you know, your life and then, obviously going through, through trauma and, and, you know, changing what mattered. Uh, but yeah, talk about that relationship with your parents and, and, and what, what, you know, what that looked like. Absolutely. So mother, all her life has been a nurse and my dad is a pastor. So the lifestyle that I was living was actually very contradictory to, Quite to my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was, it was like night and day. However, the way my parents have raised me and my siblings and continue to is they lead with love. You know what I mean? Like I never felt when I started to, you know, when they saw that decline with my education and how I was treating school, it's not that I didn't get in trouble. I got in a lot of trouble. You know, I, I felt that I was still afraid to tell them like I'm basically skipping school and doing all this stuff, but they made love in our home so strong that it overpowered everything and eventually when i grew up that same love is what kind of roped me my brother back in to kind of you know live a different life so when i started uh rapping my parents weren't with it like what are you doing come on you need to you know get your life together and this and that but when i showed them that i was serious started traveling um i remember there was one story with my rap group which i never say the name but i started uh in one side of manhattan and we walked the entire Manhattan uh, in like 12 hours, um, knocking on every record label door, trying to get them to listen to our tapes and things like that. When they seen the determination, they still didn't agree with the music, but they said, okay, do it. You know what I mean? Like my dad, he built a studio in the garage for me. Well, he's a pastor. How did, how did he feel about you using cuss words and, and things of that I, nature? I never, he never heard that, those songs. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I know he was, like when we talk about it now, I know he wasn't with it, but his idea of, he wasn't just this judgmental pastor who says, hey, you're supposed to be, you know, this is your belief, this is that, that, that wasn't the way that he was, or he's still not like that. He believes, uh, and we all believe that love, just love, love will do the work. If you just show me that you're there for me, right? You don't have to agree with me, just be there for me. Because even when our, you know, our, our two opinions clash, you know, I could still confide in you. I could still come to you and stuff like that. So that kind of openness, that's what won me back as a son. And I think that's just, it, it was a great example. So 
he didn't have to, or my parents didn't need to agree with the music. And I also didn't show them a lot of the content. They, you know, they weren't that interested like that, but they just said, you know what? Go let life is the greatest teacher. And I always say this life is the greatest teacher because you can't skip its classes. I could skip school. I can't skip life's classes. It's going to teach you. And I learned in many ways, you know, and they were more concerned about who you're hanging around, the type of crowds and things like that. I learned that that wasn't the, the best decision for me. Right. So they kind of just let it roll. So, so today, one of the things you spoke about is the power of words. And, and, and I would use power of words and a power of tone. And, and I, I say this all the time to, to, to my, my employees and people around me, you know, I've gotten to where I am in my career. I don't like when my wife and kids ask me like what I do on a daily basis, I don't have a work product to show for it. I use my mouth and I put English words together in an order that somehow gets things done. Right. And somehow me putting words in, in an order that everyone has the ability to do in a tone that everyone else has the ability to do, but I've figured out a way to actually create, you know, a ripple effect where those words have power and meaning and, and actually have, have a force unto themselves. So talk to me about, you know, your ideology as it relates to why words are so powerful. And also just something that struck me is it's interesting because I, I speak a lot about DNA you know, it's called the dealmaker's DNA. My background's genetics. It's interesting that your father is a pastor because I'd argue that, that you know, the power of words is, is something that's, or and tone is, is a hallmark of what makes someone a good pastor versus a bad pastor. Um, and how you've, you know, you, you translated that into rap, but I'd argue it's a very similar skill set. So, so maybe talk about, you know, the genetic side of it and how much you think you got from, you know, from your father or your mother. And then, you know, your, your, your idea of, of why you think words are so powerful. Absolutely. I think the most powerful things in life are the things that you can't see. And words are one of those things. You know, you can't see it, you can hear it, and you can, you can make your conclusions about it when you do hear it. But where it comes from is a deep thought or a motive before it comes out, right? And sometimes when that, a thought or that deep motive is, is, is just executed too quickly, we say the wrong things, right? But when good thought and good motive is what pushes out a word, it has to do something. When that word comes out, it has to create something. It has to change something. It has to affect or impact something. Now I'm talking negative and positive, right? This just makes us accountable of the words we choose, but words are so deep. And so when I started to understand that, so I use rap. So when I would say a punchline, right? First off, my brain had to think about how that made sense very quickly, you know, cause I was an actual rapper. So I wasn't like, I wrote that a week ago. And it was like, I look at something and I have to come up with some conclusion. And out of those thoughts, I don't know anything about DNA or anything like that, but whatever chemicals had to happen, out comes this, this product of that, which is a word. And then when the word comes out, you see, in my case, in the freestyle rap battles, everybody react like, oh my goodness. And now they're touched by this word. So once I started to see like the impact that this has, it made me want to write music, which later on down my life, you know, I've, I've published three books because again, it's, it's jotting down those words, knowing that someone's going to read it. This could help someone. This could cause someone to think, challenge someone. And then even when you think about like my dad and my mom being pastors, which I, I, I'm also part of the ministry with them, 
seeing how words have changed lives for the better. It's amazing. Then I go as far as, and I know this won't be the same story for everybody, but it's, it's my, my example. I look at my wife, um, who I've known since we were in grade three. So it's eight years old. And there comes this time in life when we were 20, 22, right out of the hospital, because she was with me the whole time. And I, I promised, one of the things I promised when I got out of the hospital is that I'm going to marry this girl. Because if she could be with me in this, this bad, dark place, then we could you know, celebrate the best of times. And I stood at the altar one day, and my dad actually married us, and I said words to, to her. I will do this, and I will do this, in sickness and in health, and all this stuff, this, these vows, which are words. And because of those words, you know what I mean? Like, I, I stop looking at other women. I stop going certain places. I start changing my life. I start thinking about this person because of these words. So the binding effect of words when you really mean them, I really, really love. And I think that's why in business, as you kind of alluded to that, this is what you do in tone, which I love how you added tone into it. That's what I do with words. You know, when, when customers would walk in my store or when I'm writing an email, I write my emails, um, you know, and I always put like a salutation. If today's Wednesday, it's wonderful Wednesday to you or Willy Wonka Wednesday to you because words are so powerful. So, so it's something that I've always believed. So I'm going to jump around, Dan, and yeah. I, I assume you're okay with that. I mean, being Absolutely. a rap battler history, I'm sure that's, that's not <laughs> exactly. an issue for, for you. So, so you know, you, you speak about, you know, rap and then real trauma and then coming out of that with this desire to have a more meaningful impact in life. How the heck do you go from that to T? Like this I need to understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually a more simpler um, crossover than you think. I know it's completely random, but how that happened was, okay, so I'm out of the hospital and I, I already said, okay, I'm, I'm looking for something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's gonna play out. I started working at Domino's Pizza was the first job I got after I recovered a little bit. And I'm just looking for something I can use. And I, you remember, I, I'm used to doing it with music, but I, I know I'm not going to go back into that just because it's, it's kind of dark for me. So I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a tool. I'm looking for a way, a platform or something. And basically, at the same time, my body has gone through a lot of trauma and there's a lot that I cut out. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking alcohol. So I just made those changes just to, to help my body get back. One random walk through the mall one day on a Saturday, I was with my wife and we were walking in Bramley City Center in Brampton and uh, a girl came out of this bright color store called David's Tea and was like, hey, would you guys like to try some tea samples? And I'm thinking, tea? Like, isn't tea just chamomile and peppermint? Like, like is that really what she's offering? Like. And she was just really excited about it. And, and I seen like all these different colors and samples and I tried it and I'm like, that's not that bad. And I look in the store and I see all these different colored tins and I'm like, am I missing something? Like, are we talking about tea, like Big Ben? You know, I had the same stereotypes that most people who don't really know too much about tea or don't like tea would have. And it was through that experience of going to David's Tea that made me into this tea fanatic because I'm like, oh my goodness, wait a minute. It's cool. It's trendy. It's so not what I thought tea was like when you're sick, tea and stuff like that. And it's healthy. I found out the health benefits were good for my body, especially the state it was in. So I was still not thinking tea business. 
But I became a avid tea drinker, started drinking David's tea, Tiopia at the time, Tivana. I went to every tea shop to find good teas. And I started buying teas as Christmas gifts and things like that. And then one day, I was I remember sitting around with two of my friends, um, old manager from the rap thing, and my brother. And I was thinking, I'm like, bro, crazy idea, but tell me what you think about this. What if I take everything I learned from the music industry, right? Because it was all about promoting yourself, getting your message out there, brand, you have to be a brand guru, right? Uh, to be an, a unique artist, all that stuff. What if I take all of that mixed with this like passion I want to impact positive change and bring about positive change and blend in, blend in um, tea and just start like this crazy rebelistic tea company. And they ride it on me. Like, like they were like, are you crazy? Like that doesn't even make sense. What are you talking about? And it was just a wild idea. And I, I decided to follow that idea and that became Tea by Dan. So you mentioned the word passion, which is a word I use a lot. Like I, I really, so maybe this will resonate with you, you know, cause clearly you're a passionate person. It's pretty damn obvious to me. And, you know, you hear these like billionaires who give advice to young entrepreneurs and they say, if you follow what you're passionate about, you know, you'll succeed. And it's so, there's nothing tangible there. And I try and explain it differently. And the way I explain it is you cannot outwork passion. What I do is my hobby, right? I don't have to try and work. Like there's no working at it for me. Right. My life It's what I do. There is no right. work. Mm -hmm. And if someone has to work at it, there's no way they can compete with someone who's just purely passionate. Absolutely. That is so right? true. So that's the way I explain it is you that simply so can't true. outwork passion. Yeah. How important is passion to you? Why do you think it is so important? And why do you think it's so hard for people to find their passion? First off, you painted a great perspective. It's, it's so true that you cannot outwork someone who's passionate because the reason they're rolling out of bed is so different than why you're rolling out of bed. And if we just talk business, I would say the majority of the 10 years, there was not enough profit. And I'm not just talking financially. There was not enough profitable reasons to roll out of bed if I was to just do business or just be doing it for business sake. But passion overrides that because the way I thought of it was when we were not making money in our tea company, like literally not making money, I still thought about that person who could use a nice pick-me-up tea in the morning when they walk into our shop or a good conversation. I still thought about, you know, um, because as a speaker, um, kind of combining the two here, I speak, um, I've spoken in the prisons, spoken in a lot of schools, youth at risk, things like that. I still think about that student that was like me in the assembly who just, you know, not really seeing the results in the grades and all that stuff, but there's a lot in you. It's just not coming out yet. Whether I got paid to speak or not, or whether business is good or not, that issue still exists. So that's where passion kicks in. Passion kicks in when results are not necessarily there. They're not visible. It's going to be passion that's going to drive you. The good thing is that if you want to talk business, passion also yields results in business as well. Because that passion that's keeping you up late at night, that passion that's making you put a lot into that business presentation, that pitch that people can see and, and things like that or hear or even in that email or whatever, it's going to set you aside from the other people who lack passion. But ne ne never in the time frame you think. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. No. And then to the end uh, of your question, people who, who find it difficult 
I think, and, and I'm, I'm saying this dogmatically, I think it's different reasons, but a lot of the time it's because of envy and, and just looking at someone else's passion and wanting the same result for yourself. And it's hard if you try to live somebody else's life for you, right? That's them. They have gone through so many things that are determining why they're passionate about that certain thing or, or, or something like that. So you cannot, I always say this when we're talking with my friends and stuff, you can't extract different parts of my journey and apply it to you and ex expect the same result. Once you apply even half of what I've been through to your own life, it's going to create something completely different. So you just yeah. got to do you. You got to focus on you. I agree. I mean, you know, you look in the mirror and you see yourself. If someone looks in the mirror and tries to see you, it's not going to work. And, you know, for, 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 for me, I, I, I use, uh, you know, this, 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 this idea of, of self-awareness, right? It's like, if you don't, if you don't look at yourself really well in the mirror, it's going to be almost impossible to find what you're truly passionate about because we're really good at hiding from ourselves in a lot of ways, you know, like the ego is one hell of a thing and it protects you from feeling bad. And it's only once you break down that ego and entrepreneurship has a great way of doing that for oh, you. Yeah. If you don't want it. <laughs> it's true. You know, like you, you speak about, you know, not being profitable. I mean, I started firepower in 2009 and until 2012, we were working on my wife's salary and she's a social worker. So oh, wow. you, know, you want to talk about humbling? Yeah. You can talk about humbling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And you, you do do a lot of speaking and you, you, you're around youth and, 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 and I know you do some mentoring. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way? You know, if, if, if there's a young person listening to this podcast, which I know there will be, you know, that want to follow along in, in, in one of our footsteps, right? Like, what I mean by that is, is create their own journey and be, you know, be in charge of their own destiny. What are some of the things, you know, that you would caution those individuals about? And what are some of the things that uh, you would, you know, like give them advice, you know, talk to me about some of your own experiences and, and what you would say to that individual. Absolutely. So a few messages that I live by, and, and this could be seen as advice, how I would advise somebody. It first has to do with um, this quote I made up that I, I still live by even today. And it's the secret to succeeding in business is in the first two letters of business. And the first two letters of business is you. And that could seem really cliche, but it's very true because as you mentioned, it's so easy to wake up and put on this, this facade, right? Whether that's trying to fit the office job or trying to fit in with the cool guys at school or, or the, whatever it is. Once you're not authentically yourself, your success is going to be limited right off the bat. Even if you're successful, that is a limited version of what you're supposed to be because you're, you're not authentic. You're not being true to yourself. And true success is I woke up. I did the things I was passionate about. I earned an income. I brought about positive change, whether it's in my client's life, family's life, someone's life. And I did that as me. If you can do those things, you are the most successful person walking the face of the earth. Once one of those things are missing, that's what keeps us working at trying to do better, right? And I'm not saying that I'm sitting here with those things figured out, but this is the journey. This is what it's like, okay, today I impacted lives. I was totally me, but I did not make any money. How do I fix that, right? So it's, it's, it's a combination of those things, but the secret to succeeding in business is in the first two letters of business, be you. That would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is 
this is now based on, I didn't do this. So this is why I would advise that someone do this. I was one of the guys who tried to go into business with what I did in music, which was freestyle it. You know, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't know anything about business. I dropped out of high school. So I had nothing to stand on. I was just like, this is just like music. You know what I mean? Like hit the beat. I know what to do. And the funny thing is I saw a lot of achievements from doing that. But then you hit this wall where it's like, I could only freestyling it could only get me here. And now I don't know how to get past here. And it was like that for a long time. I learned the power now of learning, of counsel from other people who have done things and getting information and, and just getting educated, whether that is through a school or through a book or through a seminar or however education. Or for a mentor you. as well. Mentor, right? Like I learned the power of that. And that is the only reason why I was able to get to the next level. Left up to Dan, the freestyling guy starting this tea company. I'm telling you, T by Daniel would only be right here. But it's when I got collaborative and I started to learn it and understand the power of knowledge from others, experience, things like that, that I was able to take the next level. So mentorship and education. So I teased the story about the Prince of Wales, and I, I know we're even past our half an hour, but I yeah. can't oh, wow. <laughs> end this conversation without at least circling back on that story. You know, just a fun one, I guess, is, you know, how did yeah. that come to be? How, you know, how was that experience? Wow. Still trying to believe it myself. It is one of the most, the greatest milestones in my life. And um, how that happened is really a good testament to the power of giving. So I'm glad on how this conversation kind of went because it'll be easier to, to tell the story and give you the context. So I, I was in the music industry. I was doing the rap thing. I went through this, this crazy, you know, incident. And now I'm out, started this tea company, but I'm always looking for ways that I can impact and bring about positive change. That is the foundation, right? So I got involved, um, invited to um, speak at this, this uh, it was just kind of like a community conference for some young people um, in the Rexdale community in Toronto, um, just to share resources and kind of, you know, uh, motivate and inspire. And so I, I volunteered, went, delivered the uh, speech there, and it was just good to touch base with the community. Didn't know, at the end, I found this out, that the, the group I had uh, volunteered with or who was hosting that was called PCC, the Prince's Charities of Canada. And that is Prince Charles's organization here in Canada that deals with social injustice, youth poverty, homelessness, things like that. So I shook a couple of hands, like, you know, great speech. Wow, like, what do you do? Met some people. And I found out about them and what they do. And I was really passionate about it. I said, hey, I'd love to work together with you you know, going forward for the next three years, I volunteered my time on many occasions for different advocacy things they were doing. Fast forward to 2017, Canada is turning 150 and Prince Charles and um, Duchess Camilla were doing a royal tour and they were making a stop at the army base in Trenton. Turns out that the prince said to his staff, when he gets to the army base, he said, I want 15 minutes set aside for tea time. You know, the British, the royals, they drink a lot of tea. So his organization said, you know what? There's this guy and his wife who actually own a tea company and they've been volunteering for your organization for the last three years. And he's like, perfect. I want them. 
we got an email from the federal government in the RCMP saying, Daniel, Renata, my wife, um, you have been cordially invited to serve tea to His Royal Highness. What an email that is, eh? I was like, we, I, thought it was, I thought it was a scam or something, right? But yeah, the, the Nigerian <laughs> prince. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so after fainting, realizing, you know, validating it was real, we got this opportunity. And I'm telling you, I do not get nervous very easily. My hands were dripping sweat when I saw him actually walking towards me. Long story short, we served him tea. We had a great conversation. Um, he made some jokes. He's, he's an amazing person. Um, and then he loved the tea so much, he came, he sent one of his people back with the empty cup because um, he was talking to a few soldiers and he said, where do you get this tea? He became a repeat customer ordering some more tea a week later to the Buckingham Palace. And then two months later in the mail, I saw a letter from him, uh, from His Royal Highness, um, written saying how much he loves the tea and how much um, he enjoys our business. Amazing. You know, it's, a, it's incredible the power of giving without the expectation of anything in return, right? I mean, I feel I feel like some people look at giving as this, like I, at some point I'm gonna cash in those chips. And I think it's the absolute <laughs> wrong way to yeah. think about giving, right? Yeah. Like you're giving because you wanna give without the expectation of anything in return. Um, because I think it's super obvious when someone is giving with the expectation of something. Yeah, for sure. It's so ingenuine, for sure. It's distasteful. You know, I know that there are gonna be people that want to continue to follow along in your journey. What's the best way that they can uh, keep track of your, uh, of you and, and, and the things that you're up to? Absolutely, great question. And uh, it's so, I'm in such an awkward position because tomorrow I'm making uh, a big announcement uh, for my corporation, for T by Daniel. Well, well, this isn't coming out for another week. So can... Okay, <laughs> so, okay. So then maybe I could just, you know, you could be one of the first to hear it here. I've actually, uh, over the last week, my wife and I have been having some very, very deep conversations. And as of tomorrow, which I'll be announcing tomorrow, I'm actually making the decision to dissolve the corporation. And um, I have a new venture that I'm going to be starting up. It's been 10 years. We've seen so many rewards and, and met some great people. And we've stuck true to our mission with TBI Daniel, a mixture of my growing family and our changing goals the economic situation and just the difficulty of, of running a business like mine right now is all of the things that we, we said, you know what, I think it's time. And um, we've thought long and hard about it. Tomorrow is the official announcement I'm going to put out there. So in order to get in touch with me um, or to stay connected, I will still have on my Instagram up, which is T by Daniel, T-B-Y Daniel on Instagram. And I'm very active on it. I'm going to be switching that over, but by the time people are seeing this video, you could still check us out on t uh, um, at T by Daniel on Instagram. And if you just want a direct way to uh, contact me, info at danielspeaks.ca, and you'll find out uh, where I'm going to be speaking and all the new content I'll be coming out with. Well, that's awesome, and uh, you know, best of luck with a new venture. Uh, if, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'd, I'd bet on you. So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, good, good luck uh, on, your, on your next venture. Thank you so much. So Daniel, thank you so much again for joining me and, and until next time. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time on A Dealmaker's DNA, where you can expect the unexpected.